first coming attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie or digital media, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll take you behind the scenes, interview celebrities, and review new movies, TV shows, and digital releases. Now, here are your hosts from Kids First Coming Attractions. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm Ashley Clyde from Washington, D.C., and today we'll be talking about Top Gun Maverick, the villains of Valley View, and Ultraviolet and Black Scorpion. First, let's talk with Benjamin about Top Gun Maverick. Hi, Benjamin. Hello. So I know maybe you've seen all the trends that's been going on, obsessing not only with the characters of this film, but also a sequel of this of this film because the first one was Top Gun. I'm just wondering, does the trope of the sequel reign true on this? Does the sequel like, you know, just leave it alone? We don't need a sequel. How did you feel about the second movie compared to the first one? I think it's much better. And I really like the first one, but like, I think honestly, it's sort of an upgrade in every aspect. And I mean, it's 36 years from the first one since the first one came out. So you can imagine that like the technology would be superior to a movie that was made in 1986. But really, I think they took their time honing the story. I mean, who knows, right? Yeah. They, when they say they took their time, you never really know. With like a movie like this that's been in development for so long. Like maybe some guy just cracked it and they rushed into production. But it feels like Tom Cruise specifically waited. And I feel like this is a story that hinges entirely on you believing that the, like a serious amount of time has passed since the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that arguably also that he's become like a better actor and can sort of explore different aspects of this character who was obviously I, sort of iconic. Um, but in the first one, I mean, he makes planes go fast and makes bad decisions. I love it, but it's not <laughs> it's not exactly nuanced. Um, and in this one, I feel like he brought a lot more to the table. Interesting. And um, you did mention that this film actually took a while to get into theaters. Like we would see the trailers like I don't know when, but way back, I would remember, oh, my gosh, I really want to see this film. And I then remember the now- first time yeah. I saw a trailer for this movie, I think it was in the theater and lo- losing it was uh, December 2020. Yeah. So. Yeah. So do you think um strategically do you think that this was the best time to put it out or would you think that it would have gotten the same reaction if it was placed you know december 2020 financially absolutely this movie just made 300 million dollars in one weekend uh but from my perspective i mean so spoiler alert but i thought this movie was amazing um this is my favorite movie of the year this is my favorite movie in years wow um it's just like a roller coaster ride that you want to go on again and again. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be seeing it. I was, we were talking off mic that I'll be seeing it for my third time very oh. shortly. I'm very oh, much looking God. forward to it. Um, but yeah, it did occur to me like, would I have liked this less if it had come out much earlier and the wait had been much less long? Mm-hmm. And honestly, I still think I would have thought it's this is a great movie. I mean, obviously, there is sort of a a layer of just beyond excitement on it just because it's been two years. That's yeah. how long I've been waiting for this movie. And it's yeah. finally out and I can see it as many times as I want. And it's awesome. 
but I still think it is a truly great movie. That is so interesting. I three times. You know what? I'm gonna have to watch. I'm going for four. I just talked oh, to someone oh today. They want to go see it. It's like, <laughs> of course. My friend, my friend on this weekend was like, "Oh yeah, I want to see with some friends." Like, Why didn't you take me? Why I could have made it five. <laughs> well, Benjamin, me and you have to go as well, <laughs> honestly. But since you've seen it like three times, and I'm wondering also about. You also mentioned something about, you know, Tom Cruise. He's the main character of this film as well as the, the first one as well. We always see the memes of, you know, Tom Cruise. He's always running in films. Like, he does he run can't... in this movie, too, multiple times. Oh, my gosh. So we see, like... I, lo- like... I love the arms. It's like, he's, like, yeah. chopping. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's, like, it's either, like, he's giving a massage or he's, like, <laughs> so Tom... cutting up paper or something. <laughs> so... Um, in terms of his acting and, you know, we see a pattern with his acting. Do you think that, you know, it's getting boring, especially? No, you, no, I don't mean to cut you off, but no, absolutely not. <laughs> He's really good in this movie. And and yeah. and like I said, like it, this is I feel like every kind of movie star has an I'm old movie. Yeah. I was thinking about that. This is one of those. This is like I think the benefit of coming back to this character, not obviously for us. We get mm-hmm. to go back to the world of Top Gun. But like for him, I think there's something really kind of beautiful of the fact that, and this can only happen in the movies and, and however you feel about remakes or sequels or reboots or so on. Mm-hmm. Like I had the same thoughts when um, like the Ghostbusters reboot where all the, the Ghostbusters came back 30 years later and Spider-Man No Way Home where a number of Spider-Man uh, actors got to reprise their roles. Like th- I think there's something really amazing about that sort of, and this in particular where Tom Cruise is so kind of dominant in every role he plays that you also feel like you're watching Tom Cruise. So th- this is called Top Gun Maverick, but yeah. his name is right above the title. It might as well just be called <laughs> Top Gun colon Tom Cruise because that's what this feels like. And I, th- I think he's really, really great in this movie. And we, it's sort of a different side. Not necessarily something we haven't seen him do before, but haven't seen him do before in this type of movie. Yeah. I feel like um, the key to Tom Cruise's best performances are he's a, just a very naturally cool guy. And yeah. also the fact that he's been doing it for 40 years. Um, yeah. But putting him in situations that sort of take him out of his comfort zone and kind of rip off that facade i mean that's all of mission impossible is like yeah i am doing these amazing things but like the the umps and the and the the grumbles and and the (laughs) and the bruises like that's what that's what's interesting if he was obviously he's done far more than and i can ever hope to achieve but like (laughs) if he was if he played a perfect person in every role I think we would have gotten tired of Tom Cruise a long time ago, but this is taking him out of his comfort zones. I mean, obviously he's a 60 year old man who is going into the air and performing these crazy aerial stunts. One note, all these actors were actually in the planes. They weren't flying them obviously, but like they were feeling the effects on their bodies. Um, But also, I mean, the whole plot of this movie is, him dealing with his past and Maverick sort of lived his life in the fast lane for so long in the danger zone, if you will, uh, <laughs> that like he hasn't really had time or the thought of, of, I don't know, self-reflecting 
and like what what is my legacy what am i going to leave behind when i go in when i buckle into this cockpit and i shoot up into the air what happens if i don't come home who will remember me um i think i just got lost on a tangent anyway this movie <laughs> rocks so good well, thank you so much, Ben. You are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions today. Today, we're talking about Top Gun Maverick, um, the villains of Valley View, and Ultraviolet and Black Scorpion. Right now, I'm talking with Benjamin about Top Gun Maverick. And Ben, I just want to go back to what you just said. You said he's 60 years old? Yeah. Yeah. Are you he's been active for 40 years. Is that a fib? That's not, that's not a lie. He's fixed. I can look right now. Please, I, I'm I'm literally shook, Benjamin. This man. Well, he still got. I mean, he still got a. We just saw the trailer for the new Mission Impossible. He jumped off a freaking cliff. I know. I. He's he fifty nine. Like, he's fifty nine years old. He's sixty in two months. So. Wasn't that scene with him like on a motorcycle, like jumping off of something? And he did that. that. Easy. He's the that greatest person. Maybe so, not the great. Who knows? Who knows? But yeah, he's certainly the greatest actor well no wait a minute oh, yeah. <laughs> uh he's the greatest something i don't know but yeah he does there. his own stunts as well correct yeah that's i think that's what makes him such a special um actor as well and then i just want to just um go all the way back and i think we should really uh get into this a very important portion which is what is top gun maverick about <laughs> yeah uh so for those who are not familiar, Top Gun is a movie from 1986 about Maverick. He's a pilot, a uh, hot, young hotshot, and he uh, ends up being there when his best friend is killed in the air. Um, and that's sort of all you need to know going into this one. Okay. I know you should still watch, though, because it's a great movie, first of all. little dated, but, you know, it came out in 1986, so what do you expect? <laughs> and um, it's there's some pretty key moments that don't rely on, but are sort of super powered by any attachment you have to the first one. Anyway, so we see Todd, we see Maverick thirty six years later, just like Tom Cruise, um, and he's doing these test flights for a program that's about to get shut down. And I so the opening is just like the opening of the first Top Gun, and then you go into <laughs> so they he has this test flight that's scheduled or they're going to hit Mach 9 and when oh. they're about to get shut down they're like the gen- the the commander wants Mach 10 and of course because Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise and Maverick is Maverick they're going to make <laughs> it to top Mach 10 uh, and that's how it starts and then through that he gets sent back to Top Gun not as a student but as an instructor um, and the wrinkle also this time is that whereas Maverick actually went through the Top Gun program here, these are all Top Gun graduates coming back uh, to these sort of teaching grounds in San Diego and carrying out this tense mission where they're supposed to destroy this deposit of uranium in some unnamed country. And that is what Maverick's teaching them for. And also you find out that one of the pilots uh, that he used to teach is the son of Goose, oh. um, who who's uh, obviously very stuck in his memory. Okay. 
Well, thank you for that. <laughs> we needed that. And then what do you give the age recommendation for this and your star rating? Um, I'm going to give it 11 to 18. I think everybody should see this movie, but uh, there's some there's some language. There's a very prominent but fun F-bomb. Okay. Um, there's some <laughs> tense aerial sequences. Um, it's very loud, which is great. Okay. But keep that in mind. Don't bring your two-year-old to this movie. Don't bring a, don't bring a toddler to Top Gun. <laughs> uh, that feels like it should be a hashtag. And uh, yeah, I think everybody should see this movie. Though. Seriously, and and everybody. It seems like a lot of people have seen it already. Go see this movie. I I I need more movies like this. I need more kind of old school, rousing, character based. Yeah. Just movies that take your breath away, but also uh, just have a lot of heart and soul yeah. to them that are patient, but also take you on a ride of your life. Um, and I need more Tom Cruise. So go see this movie. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Benjamin. I definitely am. By the way, five out of five stars. Sorry. Five, five, exactly. Five, five out of five stars. Without question. First time I saw it, five. Second time I saw it, five. Third time I saw it. Third time I see it, I'm almost certain it'll be five. <laughs> well, I'm going to see it now because you said it's five out of five. <laughs> well, let's take a break. I'm Ashley Clyde from Washington, D.C. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Kids First Daddying Film Festival, June 13th to the 20th. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First film critic boot camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First film critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. You are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm your host, Ashley Clyde from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about Top Gun Maverick with Benjamin, and next we'll be listening to his interview with the cast of Top Gun Maverick. This is Benjamin Price reporting for Kids First, and today I will be interviewing Glenn Powell and Greg Tarzan Davis, who play Hangman and Coyote in the new film, Top Gun Maverick. Woo! Welcome to D- <laughs> Woo! Woo! <laughs> I don't want to interrupt the woos. No, 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 no. Uh, welcome to DC, first of all. Thank you. Um, congratulations on the movie. I was just talking about it downstairs. I've seen it twice now. Great. I'll probably see it two more times. Yeah, you know. It, it, loved it so um so this 
movie. You guys have been waiting for it to come out for almost two years now. Mm-hmm. And now, I mean, you've been around the world. You've been at Cannes. You've been in London. What has it been like seeing it on a big screen with the crowd uh, after all this time? I mean, I'll, 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 I'll take the, the first one because I got to see it with a crowd before anybody else did in the cast. Um, I was in Vegas uh, for CinemaCon. And so I got to watch it with a live audience at CinemaCon. And I think the thing that made it the most special was CinemaCon is all the theater owners around the world. They come to this one conference and they sit there and the studios tell them about all their upcoming movies. What I realized is that attendance for CinemaCon was higher than it has ever been. They said it's because Top Gun Maverick. All these theater owners were so excited that Top Gun was there. And when I watched... You, you have to think about all these theater owners also saw their mortality flash between their eyes, flash, you know, in front of them because they were like, oh, is the theater business dead? Our theatrical movies, the IMAX experience, Dolby, this, where people, you can watch movies with strangers and, and this event thing, is that gone forever? Are we ecosystem. just in a streaming world? That yeah. ecosystem was potentially going to die. And they, they thought that. And to watch Top Gun Maverick, which I think is one of the most cinematic theatrical big movies that is that I've seen in in forever to watch it with them there were grown men sobbing being like we're saved <laughs> the theater business is saved and I think that's what um I found to be so special about this but what's be, no it's because it's because that and also watching this movie with other people it's an experience we haven't had in a long time and especially after you know you know after that experience has been gone from our our lives for such a long time i feel like we have an appreciation for what that experience is and i think this movie is a perfect celebration of it yeah made me cry and i'm not even a theater owner so (laughs) you would be the youngest theater owner of all time Uh, yeah can you imagine yeah i'd be like man this boss just he's like he's like he's like i'm the ceo of amc i'm like what you (laughs) they hire young now what can i say you know um and your character Hangman, pretty much the moment we meet him, he's vying for this position. I apologize. Position a team leader. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm curious. Who's going to be team leader up there? Who did you see as the team leader on set while you're making the movie? I mean, I don't know if there was a team leader on set. It felt like kind of like, I mean, Tom is a team leader. You're right. Tom's a team leader. Yeah. All right. I mean, but I, I was talking about the young guns. Of the young guns, like, I felt like it was sort of just like we were all in the trenches together. I don't think, I don't think anybody was team leader i think that that i think that's what makes this group really really special is everybody loves each other everybody was in the trenches together nobody's in their comfort zone it's not like anybody came into this thing a naval aviator or a pilot so we are we were all kind of in the deep end together and we all had to swim together and that was like especially a guy who didn't know how to swim before this movie and had to pass a swim fizz learned how to swim from the u.s olympic swim coach which is pretty incredible but i i think that's what made this thing is i don't think there's competition in the movie and there's competition among each other on to do our best but i don't think this movie was led by a leader other than tom i think you're right yeah yeah, (laughs) and greg uh you studied elementary education before pursuing acting i could have been your teacher you you very well could have been (laughs) i'm curious what would you what advice would you have to give to maverick uh as far as teaching goes Oh, oh wow! That is a question I've never gotten. A, dang, I wish I would have 
said that question in my last interview and somebody asked what's the question <laughs> that you've never gotten before that you wish you would have gotten wow um be patient with your students and understand that they're going to find their way um um you know let them learn how to find it and don't force it upon them uh oh that is a good and then we're you're telling me to teach Tom. <laughs> that's kind that's, of that's fair. I've, I apologize. Kind that's of tough, a bit of a task. No, he's, he, he's he's sitting right there watching me. <laughs> um, uh, no, nah, yeah, I think I think it'll just be patient and and uh, understand that the students will um, come around and learn the lesson that you're trying to teach them without forcing it. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we're talking about Top Gun Maverick villains of Valley View, and Ultraviolet and Black Scorpion. Right now, we're going to continue Benjamin's interview with the cast of Top Gun Maverick. So we have to talk about filming in the cockpit, of course. Uh, how much space did you have? Where exactly were the IMAX cameras? How close were they to you? Um, I mean, they gave me, obviously, a bigger cockpit than everybody else. I had some serious real estate. Um, it was, it was, mm-hmm. co- yeah. The cockiest pit. The cockiest pit. You know, I mean, it, there's, there's not. I mean, when you you're in the back of these 18s, it's it's more spacious than an extra 300. That's for sure. Um, which is what what we sort of got our G tolerance up on and learned all the aerobatic maneuvers on well, that plane. No, you think so? I think so. Because in the in the F18, I felt like there was like the wall that I had to like this. The extra, I was able to do a little bit more of this. Oh, really? Oh, am I am I true? I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe maybe it's comparable. I, I always felt like there was more room in the 18 to kind of do everything. But when you put cameras in there, and your sight line, and you got your gear on, you got to, you got to, you know, all this gear in case you eject out. It's like a parachute attached to you. You got, um, you know, the G-suit to, you know, help push blood up yeah. your leg so you don't pass out, um, which in turn also sometimes pushes pushes breakfast out of out of you as well. Um, it's, a, it's like... Um, I think I think the it, it never felt claustrophobic. It's not that that actually isn't the tough part about the eighteen. The eighteen, what makes the eighteen tough is the position in which you're sitting, uh, and the degree in which those G's are exerting on your body at any given point. It can be highly uncomfortable. Yeah, it's a thrill ride of a lifetime. When it's great, it's great. But when that eighteen is is when you're when you're pulling sustained G's and doing all that, it's 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 a really tough seat, <laughs> you know. And did you alter like did you feel yourself altering your performance at all, knowing that you'd be filtered through like this IMAX format where everything you're choosing to do is on a much bigger canvas? Uh, that th- it's actually interesting because that was actually a conversation that Tom did bring up when we were we would give variations so you only have like one flight on certain maneuvers so you go hey here's what you're up there to go get right we don't know necessarily what we're going to need for the edit how it's going to piece together all that stuff so what we would do is we'd go here's the maneuvers that you need to pull here's the variations in performance here's where i need the altitude the airspeed all that stuff and there were times in which i'd go okay i'm going to give a subtle look you know something small that the audience may register. Then you got to, you know, sell a real look if it's visceral and something intense is happening. You don't know if the audience is going to need something big and drastic and to sell it with your body or if the audience is going to be punching in on your eyes. There's four cameras going. Yeah. So those are four different lenses have different emotional impact when you use them. So 
you are basically have to give four different performances for any given look, depending on what that camera's going to see. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And we were very aware. Tom even showed us when you're sitting like this, it's different when you're sitting like this in that camera because those degrees in an IMAX format, it's, it's drastically different. And so you have to be, he, he made us all filmmakers. Like you have to be very aware of what that impact is and give variations on that. So that Eddie Hamilton, who's the, the editor who had the hardest job in the entire world on this movie, uh, could, could do the thing. Sorry. I'm talking to the same person. No, 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 no. I I love hearing your voice. It (laughs) sounds nice. They can listen to Hangman all day. So I'm going to speed around a couple before they throw me out. Speaking of throwing people out. There's a point in this movie where you have to toss Maverick out of a bar into the sand. And I want to get a sense of what are your thoughts while you're doing that? Like, you're essentially chucking your boss out of a door. Was there any, like, anxieties during that? It was all improvised. I, uh, I didn't even <laughs> script it. I was like, Tom, you got to go. <laughs> uh, that, um, that moment was especially funny because um, – they were so concerned that I was going to hurt Tom. I don't because I, I think I was also like I was a little I came in a little like <laughs> coming in hot, you know. And and they were like, hey, like let's not hurt Tom. And I was like, I'm not going to hurt Tom. And they're like, all right, well, when you throw him out of the bar, just barely throw him onto the sand. I was like, all right, cool, cool, cool. And they go, you know what? Just kind of guide him. He'll throw himself. I was like, okay, okay, cool. And they go, you know what? Just don't even touch Tom. And I was like, well, how am I? <laughs> I have to throw him out of the bar and not touch him. And the funniest part was when I throw him, like, so we get to that moment and we basically pretend to guide him out. And so I, like, don't even touch him. And Tom kind of, like, stumbles on the steps and he looks back at me and he's like, what, what are you doing, man? And I was like, I was like, oh, they told me not to touch you. He goes, I fall off of buildings for a living, man. He's like, throw me. Throw me off the stairs. Like, that, like it was, it was, it's such a thing. It's like, you realize, like, yeah, that's, Tom does the most dangerous stunts in the world and they were worried about me throwing yeah. him off of like Tossing five into stairs, the, the you know, soft sand. into the soft sand. Yeah. 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 He, you know, he's, he's as tough as they come, but then I got to really throw him in the sand the next take. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Maverick is back. Yep. 36 years later. Where do you think coyote and hangman will be 36 years from now? Um, boy, that's a 30, 36 years. years. Hopefully moving around like Tom. Um, <laughs> I think that puts us at 2058. 20. Well, we have flying cars, so flying an F-18 won't be anything special anymore. Um, that actually makes it kind of interesting, the fact that F-18s aren't around. we got to d- dig up an old relic. Uh, <laughs> it's, it, it'd be more like Terminator, like like a whole global shutdown. All the all the digital stuff is gone. we got to go full analog. Like, you know, and we're the only the pilots who are able to save the day. So, yeah, there it is. And then somehow Maverick comes back. There's, the pitch, find a way. there's the pitch to Paramount right there. And finally, my yeah. last. We'll sell this thing 36 years in advance. <laughs> <laughs> so they can have the budget for exactly, us. Exactly. You do it, you do it, you do it like Linklater. You know, you shoot the beginning That's now. Funny. And then you shoot the, the real bit 30 we'll, years we'll from pitch, now. We'll pitch the Coyote Hangman movie to Linklater. And see if he wants to do this as a long project. <laughs> That's a funny idea. And finally, who uh, who wins in a dog fight? Coyote or Hangman? It's not a question. Okay. Coyote. Coyote? Yeah. Thoughts? I thought, I thought we were on the same side until just now. But... <laughs> Yo, I'm not going to lie. You learned a lot about your wingman. <laughs> well, I wouldn't lie in interviews. So. 
Yeah, no. We we appreciate the truth here at Kids First. <laughs> um, well, thank you both so much for talking with me today. So Top Gun Maverick comes out May 27th. Go see it. I laughed. I cried. I cheered, etc. Um, this is Benjamin Price reporting for Kids First. Signing off. See you next time. Bye. Let's take a break. I'm your host, Ashley Clyde from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attraction. Today's show is sponsored by Kids First Daddying Film Festival, June 13th to 20th. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First Film Critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. You are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm your host, Ashley Clyde from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about Top Gun Maverick, and next we're going into Heather's interview with the cast and crew of Villains of Valley View. Hi, I'm Heather Sharos reporting for Kids First, and today I'll be talking with Malachi Barton and Reed Hortzman about the new show, The Villains of Valley View. Malachi is recognized for playing Beast and Stuck in the Middle. Reed is known for his role in Our Souls at Night. Now, let's talk with them about their new show. Hi, guys. It's so nice to meet you. Hi. Nice to meet you. I see your Hamilton thing in the background. I was just going to oh say, God. yeah. Yes. I love Hamilton. Oh, my God, me too. I went to go see them before the pandemic, so a couple of years now. No way. I, That's I awesome. saw them for the first time. I have, oh, my gosh. I love that playlist. That soundtrack is amazing. I know, I agree. Okay, so we're starting this interview off to a really good start. I'm really feeling this right now. Oh, yeah. So Malachi, I'm a huge fan of yours. I grew up with Stuck in the Middle, so to meet you is amazing. How are you feeling returning to Disney again and with another family? Yeah, I mean, it's it's fun. It's fun. It's a family. Disney is a family, and I'm, I'm happy to be back, and I'm happy to come back with another family other than the Diaz family. I'm back at it again. I'm with the Maddens. And I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for what's to come with this show. I love the Maddens. They're just so much fun and they aren't, and they're an unlikely family. But Reed, uh, Jake is just chaotic. I feel like he's like a low key chaotic, but he's got to be like one of my favorite characters just because of like his humor and he's just like trying to be normal. How are you feeling about playing this amazing character? It was, I mean, I remember getting the script for the first audition and I was immediately just, I, I love the character because I, I love characters that start with a place to grow. And from the first episode, he's already in a really interesting spot because 
he he's on this mission of becoming a better person. He doesn't really want to be a villain anymore, but he's still like torn between the two. So it's, I, I mean, like that as, as an actor is a gift because there's so much to play with. There's so much to work with, especially in the, in the dynamics between, you know, uh, Jake and Colby or Amy or the, or the parents, he has to learn to be his own dude, but he still loves his family. He's still there for his family. Um, despite the fact that they make fun of him for, for, for not wanting to be a villain uh, as much anymore, but he, he, he handles it really well. I mean, he, he, he faces a lot and a lot of pressures put on his shoulders, but he handles it well. And he, he's able to, you know, despite all the, the pressure he puts on himself, he's still always there for his family. I love him. I think he has so many dynamics. And like, the funniest thing is that he doesn't want to be the dented can of the family. Which exactly. Is- yeah. And I also love Kobe because he's just like, completely different from Jake. I mean, he's just chaos in every scene. Malachi, how did you feel about doing a similar character like Beast from Stuck in the Middle? Now you're just back and it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I love playing Colby. Uh, he's He has a lot of interesting things that happened to him over the season, which you guys are going to have to watch and see. He has a couple couple more tricks up his sleeve. Um, in the beginning, he struggles because he's the kind of like he's the only one without a power in the villain family and it takes him some time because sadly his power is delayed by a couple of weeks or months or however long it was but finally he gets the power of shape-shifting and he really learned has to learn how to embrace it and because he hasn't gotten to really be a villain with powers yet he doesn't use his power for good or bad he kind of just uses it to have fun it's so funny because these characters are just like elevated selves of like audiences, but we can still see ourselves in them. Reed, what do you hope that audiences take away from these characters, this family and this show? Oh boy. I mean, I, I really hope that, I mean, this, this was my hope from the beginning that people latch on to the heart um, this family has, despite how much they mess with each other, despite how much, you know, fun and chaos they like to cause, they, they're still there for each other. And then they grow to have a stronger relationship uh, over the course of the first season. Like at the start, they're villains and they act selfishly, but they're a family, but they still will like double cross each other and, and do things to mess with each other. But now they kind of learn to rely on each other and they'll do anything for each other. And I think that that makes it a lot more relatable for a lot of families. Cause then they can watch and they'd be like, Oh, I can see myself in this character or that character. And to be honest, I, I, I love that. I can see like, even like as our relationship offset between me and Malachi or or anyone else in the, in the cast or the crew, you can see certain like dynamics of different characters at play in our actual lives. And you're like, Oh, that's interesting. Cause it kind of, it kind of translates over. I love the Maddens. I love your characters and I love the villains of Valley View. Congratulations so much on the show. And thank you so much for speaking with me. I've had an excellent time. Of course, us too. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye. Take care. Thank you to Malachi Barton and Reed Hortzman for talking with me, and congrats on The Villains of Valley View, which premieres only on Disney Channel June 3rd, 2022. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today, we're talking about Top Gun Maverick, Villains of Valley View, and Ultraviolet and Black Scorpion. And right now, we're continuing Heather's interview with the cast and crew of Villains of Valley View. Hi, I'm Heather Suarez reporting for Kids First, and today I'll be chatting with Isabella Papas and Kaden Muller-Jansen, stars of the new Disney series The Villains of Valley View. Isabella is known for Finding Alice. Kaden is known for her role in Spies, Room of Secrets. 
Now let's talk with them about the new show. Hi, Isabella. Hi, Kaden. It's so nice to meet you guys. <laughs> it's nice to meet you. Me too. I absolutely love the villains of Valley View. Isabella, you are a queen in the show. It's such an unlikely series of like a family of villains. What is your favorite part about the show? Ooh, I think my favorite thing about the show is the strength in the characters and the fact that I get to play somebody who is unlike anybody I think that I've ever been around. I mean, she's really strong. She's confident. She has no filter. She's completely just removed from society in terms of like what people expect from you. And I think that's what's so cool about her is that she doesn't have any of the preconceptions that a lot of people have about, you know, what you should say in certain situations. And it's cool to be able to play somebody who says whatever she wants, whenever she wants. And, you know, that's something that is very rare to get to play because there's not a lot of characters like that. So I feel very lucky. That's true. And Disney Channel is very lucky to have you. So many kids are lucky to have you and see you as like somebody who's just breaking boundaries. And Kaden, your character Hartley is like the complete opposite of Amy. She's just like this super bright bubble of sunshine. How do you relate to her? And how do you feel about playing a character so opposite from Amy? You know, um, I see a lot of my younger self in Hartley, you know, when it came to you know, receiving the audition, I was looking at the breakdown. I was just kind of like, wow, you know, she, she's literally just like me when I was younger, before I went through all those difficult experiences with other people, you know what I mean? And she, you know, I would just say that, uh, what was the second question you asked? I'm so sorry. I lost my train of thought for two seconds. No, it's okay. <laughs> Playing a character opposite from Amy. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, Hartley and Amy are obviously complete opposites <laughs> when it comes to Amy. She's very sarcastic and, you know, does her own thing while, you know, Hartley's very kind and always considers other people's feelings. But, you know, I really think that because they are so different, they really equal each other out because, you know, opposites attract as usual. And I mean, even in real life, you know, Izzy and I are opposites, but it just it really shows in the show that, you know, you don't need to be the same as everybody else to have that connection with other people. You can just be yourself and people are going to love you either way. That's so true. I love seeing how you can have two different characters and kids can grow up with both role models, both who are strong women. How did, um, Isabella, how did you and Caden work together to bring out the best of these characters because their friendship is such a big part of the show? Yeah, I think that, I mean, originally we, we just kind of, I mean, we were going about it, you know, doing all the scenes. And then I think that we just really started to grow really close, really fast. And then I think by probably like the second episode, I was, I mean, I was closer to her than anybody. And I mean, anybody I like known, like I never had a real strong, close female friend like that, like growing up at school. And I think that she was just this person that was so different to me. She was so confident and she had so many qualities of, you know, what I wanted to be like. And I think that as the show has gone on, we've just gotten so close that now she's like, I mean, she's like my sister, which is why it's so easy to act with her because when you're that close with someone, you know what they're thinking, you know their emotions, you know how they're gonna react to you. And so it's not even acting at this point a lot of the time. Like when we have nice moments, we always say that, we're like, it's not acting. We're just genuinely having a moment. 
that's me, so right you got me tearing up I hate you so much <laughs> I'm like because that's I mean even right now like she gets me emotional because we are so like close and I, I've like I love you so much you know what I mean and I'm so happy that we get to be on the show together and that I mean it introduced me to my best friend I'm like Oh, I'm so happy that this show brought you guys together because I love seeing two amazing female characters and then having such a beautiful friendship. I can't wait to see where Hartley and Amy go. Thank you guys so much for speaking with me and congrats on the Villains of Valley View. Thank you. Thank you. It was nice meeting you guys. Thank you guys so much. Thank you so much to Isabella Papas and Kaden Muller-Jensen for speaking with me. The Villains of Valley View premieres only on Disney Channel June 3rd, 2022. Let's take a break. I'm your host, Ashley Clyde from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Kids First Daddy and Film Festival, June 13th to the 20th. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First film critic boot camp at Temple University where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First film critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. You are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm your host, Ashley Clyde from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about Top Gun Maverick and villains of Valley View. And next, we'll be wrapping up Heather's interview with the cast and crew of Villains of Valley View. Hi, I'm Heather reporting for Kids First, and today I'll be talking with Lucy Davis and James Patrick Stewart, stars of the new Disney show, The Villains of Valley View. Lucy is recognized for her role in The Office. James is recognized for his role in General Hospital. Now let's talk with them about their new show. Hi, darling. So nice you to you too. I love your room. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Miss Davis, you are an icon in comedy. I know you from Dawn on the Office. How were you able to use your experience with comedy in this new show? Um, well, I had to relook at it because everything before was a very different genre to this as a multicam. Um, having to sort of be, I had to, I'm having to still learn to be clearer more like sometimes I'll joke with with the director or something I'll go so louder and quicker <laughs> is my note <laughs> and um, I'm having to learn uh, a whole new way of being actually so I think possibly I would still say comedy is comedy but there are just different ways of delivering it I guess and this is more like as if I was on a stage and doing theatre um, than how I felt before. 
That's so interesting. That's so interesting. I didn't know that having multi cameras actually changed so much, but you nailed it. You had me cracking up all the time. You were hilarious. I love that. Thanks very much. That's that's actually given me some confidence because I've struggled a little bit with it in that way. So I appreciate that. Thank you. I couldn't even tell that you were struggling. You're an absolute queen. And Mr. Stewart, you are no stranger to Disney. You have played a Disney dad before in Jesse, which is where I recognized you from. And seeing you as a villain father again is just amazing. How are you feeling about that? Well, first of all, please, Mr. Stewart is my father. Please call <laughs> me, please call me Mr. James Patrick Stewart. Okay. Uh, please uh, call uh, me your highness. Heather, yeah, I'll take your highness. Um, <laughs> The, the 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 Jesse world was just showed me just how emphatic the um, the Disney uh, family sitcom world is and how 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 um, how much they how much they love uh, that the thing that I, I remember playing about the father on that show was just how he didn't need to be fleshed out really he was sort of a two dimensional uh, thing that Jesse had to overcome this one. Um, you know, our, our, our show creators, Chris and Brian, have created a world where we're equal in the sense that we're almost all we're all this we're almost all children in this one. Right. We're, we, we the, the parents have their own storyline um, uh, as much as the kids do. And one of the things I like about Vic is, is that I feel like he's almost one of the children. And Eva has to deal with, with yeah. that. You know, he's he's very bright, but he's not particularly good at running the, the show in the real world. And that's where a lot of the irony and the comedy comes from. Yeah. I always say that his character is like insanely brainy and also a bit of a dum-dum. Mm-hmm. That's so true. He, you One guys, or the other. You guys together are just absolute chaos. Miss Davis, how did you work with his <laughs> highness? <laughs> I needed the highness name. <laughs> how did you work with his highness to bring out the best out of these characters? <laughs> Oh, God, I love that. Um, well, we, we, we talk about things, don't we, James? I mean, we talk yeah. about, like, early on, we had some, some chats about, because obviously it's a Disney show, and, and um, uh, but we, we, we talked about, like, showing at times closeness with Vic and Eva. Like, I think we had a scene, I don't think it was in the first episode, where I was sat on the couch and I'm snuggled up, you know, yeah. underneath your arm. And we want to just show sometimes that we are despite being different, Vic and Eva, that we're we're still a team and we're still like clocking in on each other, you know, because we've been together so long, I'm guessing, right? And and, and show that we're still aware of what the other might be thinking or about to say or something. I love that because without knowing much of their backstory, we can see it from your acting and from your portrayal of these characters, how long they've loved each other. And you guys are just an absolute power team. It was excellent to meet you both. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you guys. It was really nice speaking with you. You too. Bye, love. Bye. Thank you to Lucy Davis and James Patrick Stewart for speaking with me. The Villains of Valley View premieres only on Disney Channel June 3rd, 2022. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today, we're talking about Top Gun Maverick, Villains of Valley View, and Ultraviolet and Black Scorpion. And right now, we're switching over to Heather's interview with the cast and crew of Ultraviolet and Black Scorpion. Hi, I'm Heather reporting for Kids First, and today I'll be talking with Scarlett Estevez and J.R. Villarreal, stars of the new Disney Channel show Ultraviolet and the Black Scorpion. Scarlett is recognized for her role in Bunked, and J.R. is known for his role in Spare Parts. 
Now, let's talk with them about their new show. Hi, Scarlett. Hi, Mr. Villarreal. It is so nice to meet you. Hello. Nice Hi, to meet you. nice to meet you. Scarlett, congratulations on your second Disney show. How are you feeling returning to the network? And how are you feeling about this vibe of uh, Ultraviolet? Uh, thank you so much. Um, I mean, it's really, really exciting because, I mean, it's obviously exciting to be back and have a second show on the channel. Uh, but also, it's super nice because of how different the projects are that I got to do. And, you know, I'm really excited people to get to see, you know, difference in the characters and all that type of stuff. So, yeah. I'm so excited. I really, really enjoyed this movie, this show. I'm so sorry. And Mr. Villarreal, congratulations on bringing to life this superhero, Black Scorpion. How are you feeling representing a character that comes from a Mexican background? Oh, I, I feel so proud. I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful and, and so proud um, to, to, to be Black Scorpion, to be representing my community and, and, and uh, to be, you know, Mexican-American superhero. I am so grateful. You have no idea. It, it, it's, I'm so happy that, that people are going to be able to see themselves represented in this way. I actually do see myself represented because I'm a Cuban. So as a Hispanic, being able to see uh, Hispanic actors and characters represented in such a nice, light way and that we can see each other like cr fighting crime. I'm so proud of you guys. Oh, Thank you so much. That's, that's awesome. That's the, best, that's the best thing I could that's hear. That's the best feedback we could have gotten. So thank you. Oh, no, please. And Mr. Villarreal, Uncle Cruz and Scarlett, you guys are just like a power duo. What is it like working with Scarlett to bring to life these two characters that have such an amazing bond, but clash sometimes as superheroes? It, it was the worst. I'm just kidding. No, it, was, <laughs> it was incredible. It was so easy to work with Scarlett. Um, she's such a professional. I like, I, I, you know, I'll never forget the first days, you know, just kind of being like, so impressed, you know, just she exceeded any expectation I, I had of what it'd be like to work with her. And, and she definitely, you know, me puso las pilas. she made me work harder. You know, she made me be like really focused because she's so prepared and she's so on top of every note. They'll give her like 37 notes and she's like, okay. And I'm like, what, can you write them down for me? Maybe I go look at them for a second, but <laughs> it was, it was so awesome and easy to work with her. I felt like she was like a family member, you know, it was, it was awesome. Oh, that's amazing because we, as an audience can see this beautiful relationship that the two members have differently from when they're fighting crime, but they're always family in the end. And Scarlett, just like JR said, you are like so on top of everything, which is a little bit different than Violet. I see myself more as Violet, that she's <laughs> all over the place. So what do you hope that audiences see themselves in Violet and how can they relate to her? Yeah, I mean, I think that Violet, something that's really special about her is she is such a relatable character. And I think a, a lot of people can relate to her in so many different aspects. I mean, you know, she is this girl who's just going through middle school and she's trying to figure out her way. And, you know, she hasn't exactly found, you know, her thing in life yet. She doesn't really know what she wants to do or who she wants to be, you know. And I think she's still trying to figure herself out. And I think that that's something that, you know, a lot of kids can relate to. And I think that's something that's really, really special about her. I absolutely relate to her, seeing her as like a teen just navigating life. And Mr. Villarreal, what do you hope that audiences see themselves in the show? But what do you hope that they take away as the season continues? Oh, I, I hope that they take away the 
the heart of the show, the 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 love of the show from 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 the family, from the Rodriguez family, from Ultraviolet, from Black Scorpion, from Cruz, from from Violet. Um, I think the heart of the show is is for me. I think the biggest takeaway, aside from it being so fun and 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 funny and adventurous, and the scale of it and the the, the action, and it's just so. It's so much fun, but I think the heart of the show, the, the La Familia, the family aspect of it, and it, it, it's going to touch a lot of people. I feel like um, not only our cultures, you know, Latino, Hispanics and and Latinx and, and specifically Mexican-Americans, Cuban-Americans, everyone. I, I think that dynamic is going to be relatable for everybody. It was relatable. I saw like my parents in your care in your characters and I saw myself in Violet and I haven't felt like that in a really long time. So to watch this show, I, I felt so honored and I'm so happy that you guys are able to bring these characters to life. And congratulations on Ultraviolet and Black Scorpion. Oh, thank you. That's amazing. Thank you. That's awesome. Of course. Thank and it was so nice meeting you guys. So nice thank meeting you. you. Thank Bye. you for your kindness. Thank you. Thank you to Scarlett Estevez and Jaya Villarreal for speaking with me. Ultraviolet and the Black Scorpion premieres only on Disney Channel June 3rd, 2022. Thanks so much for joining us. You've been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. To watch our latest reviews of the newest films, DVDs, TV shows, music, and apps, and to learn how you can join our Kids First Film Critics team, go to www.kidsfirst.org. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel and look for our reviews on Press for Kids, kidsworld.com, and Kidsville News. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media for Voice America and iHeartRadio. Today's show is sponsored by Kids First Dadding Film Festival, June 13th through the 20th. I'm Ashley Clyde from Washington, D.C. Thanks for listening. Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, you know more which movies, TV shows, or digital media to look for, or learned about the talent that worked on or off camera on them, and can make informed decisions about what to watch. Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss an episode, and tune in again next week.